Welcome to the More Tea Vicar podcast from B&A Church in Bristol with Wayne Massey and James Stevenson, where we like to talk about culture, theology and life. I got those three in the right order this time. Yes. I am sitting with my mug of tea. Um, you have finished your coffee. No, I haven't finished my coffee. Have you not? Just put we're it down in, beside me. We're in Wayne's study, surrounded by bikes, computers. Books. Books. And I don't know how to finish that list. And today, well, there's lots of chairs in my study, actually, as well. Today we are talking about the cabinet reshuffle that's just happened and leadership from a biblical perspective. So yesterday, um, was it yesterday? There was news of the cabinet reshuffle. And then on Twitter, um, somebody asked Justin Welby in the Church of England whether they could do a similar thing with the bishops, and he said he could only move bishops diagonally. Um, which which was, actually, interesting enough, there's a lot more truth in that than, than even just a joke. It was, it's, it's so good, it's humorous and also true. Um, you need to go away and do some reading about how, Dyson, how the diocese of the Church of England worked to, to get why that's the case. Let, let, let's go. So I think the thing behind the thing here yes. is there are strengths and weaknesses to every system. So a, a strength and weakness of the American political system, you'll see how I'm going to get back to our one in a moment, is that... When a new party comes to power, they pretty much clear all the top civil servants, all the top people out, mm. and they they appoint into all those roles. You know, new people to run justice, new people to run justice, and all that. Uh, just I've said justice twice, but you know, education, yeah. defence, whatever. Generally, what they do is they will bring in experts, um, yes. and quite often not even so political figures, but not politicians. Yeah. So thinking about um, somebody who I think, I think, I don't know if Biden's brought her in, but there was somebody called Samantha Power who was Obama's um, ambassador to the United Nations. And she's, mm. she's an academic uh, in international relations, you know, mm. so, so they will bring people out of academy sometimes, yeah. or out of industry, yeah. and, and they will bring people into situations, whether or not you agree with them, but who know what they're on about. Yes. And, and what will happen is that will, that will almost be like an appointment in terms of how do I build the best team to do what I want to do. Yes. Our system seems to be a little bit different in that you have, <laughs> you have this one day yeah. that happens after a prime minister comes in and then periodically throughout their time in power. And, and when it happens it, and how it happens will often say a lot about um, the power that the Prime Minister has. So Margaret Thatcher came in in 1979, I think, not with not a lot of power, but then by 1981 had kind of really established herself. And so she had what was, it was known as the Night of the Long Knives, which of course um, the Russians did quite a lot of and the Nazis did as well. But it's basically, it's where you get rid of anybody who you've had to keep close, but who's ultimately an enemy. And she, yeah. she rid herself uh, of all the Tory wets, the more kind of um, left of centre Tories. Um, in one big cabinet reshuffle. So for her, that, that, that first, that reshuffle of 81 was about establishing her power and authority mm. over the party. And so quite often what we have, and it's whichever party's in power, is, is the person, he or she at the top, moves everybody around. Yeah. And it feels like a day of um, self-interest versus, you know, the interest of the nation. Yes. So you have a whole you have a prime minister who is thinking how how do I deal with that person and what they want and how do I get rid of this person how do I promote this person who supports me or how do I keep the Eurosceptic wing of my party happy and how do I you know so, so there's prime minister, and then and then everybody else is going into meetings with the prime minister thinking well what do I want out of this? So Wayne, tell us why this is not a new thing. 
in, in terms of history. Life, human in terms life. Of life. Well, we were talking about this only a bit ago, that if you read um, 1 and 2 Samuel, uh, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, you'll just get story after story of self-interested leadership. And, yeah. and interestingly enough, even from the best of people and the worst of people. So the two people who jumped out for me is a guy called Rehoboam, who yeah. was Solomon's son, who uh, he had to make his first decision after Solomon died, and he had a choice of asking his mates, the young advisors, or asking the older advisors, what should he say to the people? Mm. And the young guys who were like, Let, let's establish some control, were like, well, tell everybody, you, if, you know, if you thought Solomon was tough, I'm going to be tougher. The <laughs> older guys were like, go a bit gentle on them. And he went with his guys. Yeah. Operated out of self-interest and the kingdom ended up splitting apart. So, and Rehoboam goes, you know, uh, um, but then you've also got Hezekiah much later on who's, uh, um, and if you're in Bible in one year, you're reading about Hezekiah at the moment in Isaiah. Hezekiah, who is a good king, but actually still operates out of self-interest. So this morning's reading mm. was the Babylonian envoys and mm. Hezekiah shows them everything in order to kind of win them over. And Isaiah mm. says, this isn't good because they're going to come and take everything. But after you're gone and Hezekiah thinks, well, it's good because oh, there'll be peace in my day. Yeah. So, 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 so we know that deep in the human heart is this thing about putting self first. Yeah. So what we see and interesting. And, and this, not, this is the, this is the blessing and the, and the, the uniqueness of what we've received in the old Testament of a, of a continuous n- national history um, written with, an element of distance from the the scribes at the center of it that we we can see through thousands of years um of of human history similar behaviors so we can we can see all the way back into um old testament times actually this is how people were behaving which then gives us some sense of uh not comfort but just a, a kind of a, a lack of surprise about the fact that oh yeah the political figures of today are doing this and they've done this throughout history and this is um this is the nature of humanity expressing itself in leadership when it's unredeemed so self-interest is is part of sinful human nature and mm. we can point at the politicians all we like but if we're honest it happens in the playground mm. it happens when you know when you're nine and this in september and you're working out where, where am i going to sit in this classroom for the rest of the year you're you're, you're thinking about you yeah. and not about the you know the, the quiet kid who needs to be drawn in somewhere else you think yeah. what's the best seat for me or at least yeah. i know i did every year um it works itself out in the office yeah um, i'm sure all of us uh, if we listen to this can think about um situations in the office uh, where we've operated out of self-interest. So, well, so, which we were discussing this morning. Which Sunday of half term will each of us have off? <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear listener, we've voted for both each, no, and we haven't. But, but, but. So let, let's. Yeah. Not, so I'm not going to judge these guys in terms of what we see writ large is self-interest. Yeah. Um, now, the Bible teaches us that for all of us. Um, the pattern is Philippians chapter two that we should mm. look first to the interests of others. Yeah. Paul says, and he says, and your and your attitude should be like Jesus, yeah. who, despite being God, made himself nothing, took on the nature of a servant, humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So actually, the call for all of us in all situations where we mm. are, where we realise we're operate, operating out of self interest, is to stop and go. Actually, mm. I need to look to the interests of others first. Mm. He talks the same when he talks about, um, you know, when he writes and he talks about marriage and he talks about parenting and mm. he talks about slaves and masters. He's he's telling everybody to put the other person first. Mm. Um, and, and so there is this sense that actually the gospel 
teaches mm. us and through the power of the Spirit and the, and the cross enables us to put others first. Yes. So that's the first thing we need to kind of realise that when we look at our politicians mm. all dancing around each other and, you know, like the rumour is that Dominic Raab basically refused to leave the room until he got more than he was originally offered, you know, that actually, who am I putting first? Um, obviously I should yeah. put God first, but then I should put others first. So that's, um, that's the first thing I think that is really important that we need to kind of think. And then, and, and then when we talk about it, to talk about it in such a way that means we can be, we can critique the political culture that we see. Yeah. We can cr critique it from a gospel angle, but then yeah. also the, we need to land it in and say, but, but there's nothing, but what they're doing is, is an amplified version of what I might be doing yes. in my situation. And now, therefore, how do we live differently? Is that where you're going next? No, well, the next thing I was going to go to was, that said, there is something, I think, about the nature of leadership. Mm. Um, so then I think picking up on the Samuel and Kings and Chronicles and the writings of the New Testament, that means there is something about the nature of leadership that means that you need to be even more aware of that. Yes. So, so there is something particularly... So it is, so, so it is more... It is, it, is, it is far more desperate. I think desperate is the word I would yeah. use here when a middle-aged man refuses to leave, you know, an office in number 10 until he gets what he wants than when a 10-year-old girl says, I can't sit next to that boy in September in a classroom. Yes. It might be the same heart attitude, but, it, but the, fact that, yeah. the fact that somebody who's given their life to the service of the country can, you know, I'm not trying, yeah. you know, does that make sense? It does. Um, and so, so that's the next thing we need to say is that there is something about the nature of leadership mm. and, and the mantle of leadership that makes it mm. even more jarring when self-interest operates. And yes. that's the thing that comes loudly out of Kings and Chronicles. Yes. Um, you know, I think Jezebel is a brilliant, wonderful example of... <laughs> um, you need to read Kings and Chronicles, everybody. But, you know, just actually, there is something so awful about this. So we were talking yeah. at church on Sunday that the idea is that our leaders, in terms of biblical terms, the leaders of the nation are supposed to be shepherds. Yes. And when they're not shepherds, it should jar. Yes. Um, and so then there is also a kind of um, a gospel imperative to challenge leadership when it doesn't operate in that way. Yes. So there, the, so the, so self-interest we all suffer from it, but there is also something about the nature of taking on leadership that means you need to be more aware of that and therefore seeking to counter it more than you would if you were and, not and in it's leadership. Why, as a nation, we went through a crisis of confidence i would say in the 1990s around the divorce between charles and diana and then um between um andrew and sarah that actually um family breakup um brings lots of pain lots of suspicion lots of hurt but un in that suspicion is can I trust that you would put somebody else's interests before your own? And when you live under the leadership of a queen who um, we receive, I think, in this nation as somebody who would, um, who would be somebody who would put yep. the interests of others before herself and patterns that shepherding leadership that we would want to the crisis of confidence i think came actually uh, this nation has the potential to be in hands of people that we wouldn't necessarily trust to put their interests before the behind the nation's interests now i think they've done a they've done a job on rehabilitating 
Charles since um, uh, in lots of different ways. Um, but but I think that might be a helpful segue for us into then thinking about, well, how do we then pattern that in our own lives? So this, this is a life thing in our nation. We've seen it. But actually then it, it, there's something about how we live this out in family life and in our close re- relationships at close quarters that that is important and speaks to others of the character that God is forming in us. Yes. So um, the psychological uh, psychological studies have shown that so the generation that are kind of roughly in their 30s in the States um, have a very generally have quite a low expectation of the say the stability of family life and marriage. Mm. And what they found, interestingly enough, is that uh, if your parents didn't divorce, your expectation is higher than if your parents did divorce. However, it's still lower than it would have been the generation above. And that's because all you all you needed to know was some another family where divorce happened. And yeah. Even though it wasn't your story, it was close enough for you to sow doubt. Yeah. Um, and so, so they were saying so there's a whole lowering of confidence around stability about family yeah. life in America. Yeah. Um, that is that is borne out by a wider story. So, yeah. so that's kind of what you're saying. So, so even though, so yes, we know that, for example, let's use Charles and Zara, they were both victims quite often. Like when you get to know the story, you're like, oh my word. Yeah. But actually still, the fact that those things are out there and we know about them lowers our confidence, um, not just in, in ourselves as well as those around us. Um, so, so, so we've got self-interest. Yeah. Uh, we've got there's there is there is a call on leaders to kind of mm. like because um, they're putting their head above the parapet to kind of take mm. on something that even you know above and beyond that where the rest of us might be. Uh, we kind of segue, but interestingly enough to say that actually the wider a story is shared, even if it's not our own personal story, the more mm. doubt that we have in. So, yeah. so 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 the potential then is so okay. Let's go. So you either become a cynic, yeah, uh, or not. And now the gospel, I think, stops you being come a, become a cynic. Why? Because it's not the um, our sin is not the end of the story. Yeah. So 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 interesting. If I can't make myself, I cannot make myself other interested first. Mm. But because of the cross, I can. Because yeah. because the one who put my interest first, mm. when I say yes to him, he begins to change me. Yeah. And so what? What the gospel offers us is heart change at a deep level. That means that we are we are able to change from being self-interested beings to other interested beings, mm. and that we are able to step into positions of responsibility, whatever they might be, family, work, society, mm. and step in them with a gospel mindset. Because actually, uh, when Paul says, may your attitude be that of Christ, he's not saying study somebody and try and copy him he's saying receive the spirit um, and it means that actually and and interestingly enough the spirit of god blows away the cobwebs of cynicism like nothing else yeah um, and so it's kind of what we need is is more of god and more of the gospel and that changes us and then changes us in the situations where we where we lead and where we live yes so but practically, in in particular circumstances. So, if you're listening to this and you're um, you are thinking about the people that are closest to you and how you influence them um, at home or in your friendships, or even if you've got responsibility for lots of people in in the workplace, 
when we talk about being filled with God and um, the Spirit of God enabling us in a way that our flesh doesn't, there are going to be times when that happens, when it will come from just a sense of being filled with his peace as you read the Bible or pray or, or worship or um, an interaction uh, one of one of the one of the Mrs. Um, Vicarages has just walked into the house. So if if we get a hello in the background, that's that's her. Um, uh, so the sorry, the peace that comes from from um, engagement with God by yourself or with other Christians might feed that in such a way that what previously um, was difficult to do actually seems really easy to do. There are other times, though, when it really feels like you are crucifying the old self and and the old self is really wrestling for that moment. And it feels like it's about.